on this episode of AV Week as the U.S. gets ready for presidential elections. We look at what technology stance would best serve the AV industry. How do you design to make sure that your users have the greatest and latest technology, just like their personal devices? And what is the main environmental threat to digital signage? All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Kramer Electronics. This is AV Week, episode 271, recorded Friday, November 4th, 2016. Half-Life. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tom Albright. I am your host, fully caffeinated, and holy crap, I'm glad it's Friday. All right, first and foremost... Uh, a, a young woman who stalked me the entire time as I was in New York for digital, New York Digital Signage Week, a fine human being, and oh yeah, she's the show director for uh, Digital Signage Expo. Her name is Andrea Verone. How are you, ma'am? Great. Thank you for having me, and thank you for letting me stalk you last Absolutely. week. Absolutely. We sang a very, very nice rendition of Sonny and Cher's I Got You, Babe. <laughs> Uh, that is not on the internet in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Phil Langer has a copy. Yes, yes. <laughs> also with us uh, from someplace in uh, New Jersey, because um, everything's legal in New Jersey. His name is Chris Netto. How are you, sir? How you doing? How's everything? Good. That was a little a little nod to our buddy uh, Josh Schrago and his love of Hamilton. That's a lie from Hamilton. That's a line from Hamilton. I, I would know I'm not that cultured. I oh, man, you've got to get it. And they it, just redid Broadway shows like They did a remix of that album with, like, Usher and uh, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, it's 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 quite extraordinary. So uh, the most awesome. cultured person on this call uh, actually was, was born um, at the, uh, the production of Hair in 1967. His name is George Tucker. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you. I'm full of piss and vinegar today. Don't screw uh, with me. Tell you what? Yes, it was my first appearance was in the nude scene in hair. So, <laughs> all right. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say he he appeared when Hamilton, the original Hamilton, got oh, shot. Oh wow! See, I wasn't. I was not going to go there. I was wow. not going to go there. Oh. <laughs> Very well done, but I wasn't going to go there. Uh, real quickly, and and this is not for anything except for it's just freaking cool. Uh, proof that if you use a Dactronic scoreboard, you will break a 108-year curse. Congratulations to the uh, Chicago <laughs> Cubs uh, on winning the, the World Series finally. Holy crap, good for them, good for lots of good friends in, in the industry. Uh, Bill Natras was, was on last week, big Cub fan. Um, uh, Brad Grimes from Infocom, Jeremy Caldera, lots of good people. And I, I'm halfway kidding, last year well, there was a big story. Um, about the renovation that Wrigley Field went through. Dactronics board was there. Uh, good friends out of St. Louis that helped uh, install that system. QSC um, uh, DSPs were there. Um, Harman um, uh, amplifiers as well as, as some speakers were there. So, so good renovation going into the 2015 season. Um, jokes about, you know, uh, back to the future and all that aside, being a year off, but good for them. So 
Uh, all right, something else in the news. I am not going to talk about politics specifically. Specifically. Uh, there is an election in the U.S. For, for our, our listeners that, that uh, are overseas, thank you for listening. I am not going to say you who sh- you should vote for <clears throat> at all. But, but our friends over at Commissional Integrator uh, commissioned four pieces looking at what each candidate's technolo- technolo- technology policies would mean to the AV integrator. In addition uh, to the three, uh, the two main, and then uh, actually um, uh, Bruce Kaufman did uh, Gary Johnson uh, from uh, the Libertarian uh, uh, Party. Uh, I'm sorry, he, he looked at Zoltan Istvan, which is a weird guy. Um, but our, our, our editor-in-chief, Josh Schrago, also wrote about both Clinton and Trump's policies. My question to you three is, in general, in general, create your perfect candidate. And if your perfect candidate exists, groovy for you. Vote for them next Tuesday. Um, what technology stance would best serve the AV industry? Mr. Tucker, I'm going to start with you, sir. It's dangerous. Uh, huh? All right, well... So what what we the problem we have with a lot of our politicians is they get put onto committees that say that they are the ones in charge of regulating these technologies and call it uh, tubes, not dump trucks, right? And they don't really have a core understanding of the technology. Now I'm not saying they have to be MBs or PhDs or any other alphabet soup after their name that means that they've studied uh, the technology, but understanding its implications and understanding how to develop it in this country is really important. And I don't think a great deal of them have that. It's more about trying to satisfy a certain electorate or a certain demographic rather than actually progressing it. So my tenants are an understanding or an ability to have an understanding with others and to be someone who can work with those who develop the technologies in implementing them here. That's a long laundry list of things that include being able to get the education system right, be able to get the workers here right, be able to understand that the technology may or may not go against certain core values that you think you hold and that you can't use as an excuse for not developing that technology. It has to be done or it's going to walk away or you're going to be uh, saddled with the idea that all of those workers have to come from somewhere else because they're teaching it there and not here. Okay, good. good. That, that is a good answer. Mr. Neto, uh, from your standpoint, from a technology standpoint, what is best going to serve our our vertical, our our industry? How about somebody who's not eligible for AARP? <laughs> How does that work? No, sorry, it works. Dude. Well, um, uh, let's bring somebody in who grew up. Let's refer to uh, game systems. Are we going to talk Atari 2600 or are we going to go first generation Nintendo? At this point, we need somebody who understands technology. And these two, the the two that are going, and that you are going to select at some point, strike me as the people that will hit somebody in the back of the head and say, get off your phone while I'm talking. Or put your phone down, you young whippersnappers. You know, I I have a little problem with that. They didn't grow up in the generation that that, that has been plugged in. So... Is, is it time for, and I'm going to make this generational, and uh, I apologize if I'm offending anybody, but is it time for the boomers to even step aside on the on the politics side? Granted, there are years of experience and all that p- 
political crap that they like to play in must be great. But from a technology standpoint, come on, man. There are 26-year-olds running multi-million dollar companies at this point. They've been so doing it I, since the 90s. What are we going to do? Can I say Please that you're making a Logan's Run argument, Neto? Could be. Wow. Could be. Okay. So here's the thing. I, I actually am going to agree on Chris with, with Chris on this, and I'll take 30 seconds, and I'm going to hand it off to Andrea. You have to be 35 years old to be the president of the United States. Okay. That's a millennial. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest here. That's a millennial. I would I would absolutely vote for a millennial in in, in this in this election and next election. Yeah, who who cares? Um, but you make a good point. They're both seventy. They're both going to be se- the two main candidates, right? I'm going to make that distinction. The two main candidates, the Republican and the, and the, and the Democratic candidate, will be seventy years old. My dad is seventy. He gets pissed off at voice control. Okay. He's had so many cell phones, and it, I mean, he's had a Note, not the new, not the new one that explodes. He's had an iPhone. He's got a Mac. His piece doesn't. And un- how, long, how, how long did it take him to get rid of his tube TV? Uh, That's perfectly working fine. He he. It was it was a gift from my brother-in-law and my sister. There you go. Right. <laughs> um, but you you make a good point about the gaming system. So anybody who's 70, 30, 35 years ago, roughly, right? Uh, technically, the Atari was the late 70s, but let's say it was 1980, okay? Mm-hmm. That's 36 years ago. They were in their 30s yep. when the Atari came out. Mm-hmm. A very small percentage of 30-year-olds in the 1980s were playing the Ataris. It was us that were playing the Ataris. It was us yep. that grew up with the NESs. Now, I, I, I'm, unfortunately, I am the gener- I'm the Gen Xer who is, who is a little irksome about there probably will not be a Gen X president there's a good chance of that right um because we're this little itty bitty generation in between the boomers and the millennials millennials are huge right it's a, it's a huge uh from a population standpoint it's a it's a very large generation i'm okay with that okay i'm okay with that as long as from a technology standpoint we look a little bit beyond ourselves and and to chris's point go back to the gaming thing we pick mark zuckerberg I, I, he's not 35 yet uh, I mentioned Tim Cook, actually, off, off the air. Elon Musk. Elon, oh my Gen gosh, X. Elon Musk, right? Absolutely. The Gen Xer. Yeah. Uh, so, Andrea, your 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 take uh, in general, again, not a specific candidate in general. Give me uh, some, some qualifications technology-wise. I mean, I, I agree with all three of you. I think especially with all this crazy cybersecurity and hacking going on, we just need a president who not only is trying to get votes and tell you what they think you want to hear, but they need to be walking the walk and really understand exactly where we are with all of that. And unfortunately, I don't think either candidate possesses those qualities. So I'm a little nervous. Go, Janet. <laughs> but, but I have a question regarding that when you said the hacking and stuff like that. They, these guys, or, or in this case, the, the Republican and Democrat candidate, um, Strike me as somebody when they hear hacking will think of somebody trying to just take their bank account. Uh, and if I don't probably, think anymore. No, I, I would actually disagree with that. And, and there's well, a reason after why. the whole email thing. Well, no, 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 I'm not I'm talking about, about email. Here's the thing regardless of lover or hater, Clinton was the Secretary of State for crying out loud, not a she stupid not person. No. And I, I am not going to make a, a judgment call on the on the email server. If you want to call me later, I'll tell you my personal opinion on that. But she is not a stupid person. 
Right. Um, and, and I don't I don't get the sense that you know my grandfather was was ninety five when he passed away a couple years ago. Um, he would be that person, right? But I think the the boomers at least get hacking. Um, they grew up in the midst in, in in the eighties while we were watching war games. They were watching it as well. And they we, we they, they have kind of grown up and, and along with the white hat black hat hacking, but they get the they get the severity of it. They don't get how easy it is to do. No, oh no, absolutely not. I I will probably get, grant you that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just want to put that out there before we go ahead and select who we're selecting. Just understand the situation that we are currently in yeah. in this country. Aside from their political views, you have people that I think are just not. They're not the right candidates for the next, okay, four years tops. This better four not go tops. into double. Absolutely. This better not go into eight years because you're looking at eighty-year-old candidates. Yeah, in it, the next run. And, and I would, I would agree with that. I would, I think honestly, it, th- this presidency is, is you know, the Republican and Democrat selection has happened. In four years, we better have somebody at least in their forties, kids that understands and has has grown up with technology. It's so not going to happen. Right? Give me. Let me think. Let me. Let me dream, George. All who, right. Who did the millennials back in large quantities? Uh, a ninety-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> he looked a hundred. He looks one hundred and twenty. He looks one hundred and twenty, but it's you know. Uh, all right, we're gonna get in trouble. Uh, from our friends over AV Network. I, I've I've said a couple times. Last Friday, I, I flew in and, and my arms were tired, and I made a, made a really bad joke from coming back from New York Digital Science Week. During New York Digital Science Week, Sennheiser. Uh, which is not very big in the digital signage uh, in, in industry, um, actually had an event in, in some of their pop-up stores over in Soho. Um, they had a panel um, on the future, quote-unquote, the future of the workplace. Uh, they talked about all the buzzwords, collaboration, wireless, huddle spaces, uh, intuitiveness. Uh, they also posited, uh, this panel did, that end users, quote-unquote, now expect their workplace equipment to have the functionality and intuitiveness of their latest and greatest personal devices, end quote. Mr. Neto, I'm going to start with you. First of all, is this true? Is Do, do our end users, do the end users now expect our, the equipment that's installed to be up as up-to-date as their latest, greatest devices? Um, and if they do, how do we design for that? You had to start with me while I was being distracted by, by my freaking... Millennial? Millennial. <laughs> okay, so the question now is that these rooms that are that are being installed, do we need to have the rooms? It's that's tough, man. How do you... Tim? How do we keep up with that? It, we install systems that have a six to eight week lead time. You know, phones cha- change. You know, if you're talking about BYOD type stuff and devices like that, they change every six months. Okay, so so to that point, then do you do you design a system? Do you put a system in where that is the driving force, and so you just put supporting equipment around it to make BYOD happen? That it's all you can do. I, I've said it before. The only future-proof technology that exists today is conduit. Honestly, empty conduit at that. Empty conduit, and it better be at least two-inch pipes. It, don't give me none of that small stuff either, because God knows I'm going to have to run a whole host of wires to that one itty bitty pipe. So I don't, I'm not a fan of future proofing. I don't think it's possible this day and age. Twenty years ago, you could have, you could have stayed 
yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna future proof it by buying this top of the line stuff, and God knows that VGA, RGB, that was just gonna keep on going. Yeah. Not today, man. Today you you live for the moment. Unfortunately, that's the world we're in. I think that from a design perspective, it's gonna have to get to the point of throwaway devices like the DVD, like the DVD players, where you're putting it in and you are expecting that the shelf life or the ROI on this thing is only going to be two, three years max. You know, I, I've been working in corporate AV for a bunch of years now, man. And, you know, the shelf life that, that, that they would put into a system was when I first started in this business was about 10 years for a room. They're drastically cut down now to five. And I would argue that three, you're pushing it because every iOS update, every possible wireless device that was installed five years ago, even wireless microphones finally have hit that threshold. And George will can go on about how wireless and you know has changed as well with the with the wireless mics. But Bluetooth has gotten better. Everything has gotten better. There's nothing that you can keep in a room anymore longer than three years. Essentially, maybe maybe wires and, and like you said, conduit. Uh, Andrea, from from your standpoint, and I understand Andrea is a digital scientist, so we're a little unfair, but I'm still going to ping around this. How do we market this to end users, as well as the technology managers that are that are hopefully supporting this, um, to make sure that they understand that there are certain limitations to what we can do and what we can come up with? Chris is right. When I was a technology manager, our half life was eight years when well, we had a refresh cycle of eight years so you know you look think about you know take the smartphone that you've got in your hand right now and think about that eight years ago that, yeah that is not that thing right so how do we how do we maintain those those expectations or manage those expectations as a show organizer obviously um you know, the, we're seeing the demand in this particular category grow i mean it, the number of these types of attendees we saw at dsc last year almost doubled so much that we've broken out uh, and started a new event called Corpcom and Educom Expo, which is actually taking place uh, in a couple of weeks in Chicago. So the best thing you can do is kind of fill their thirst with education and teach them about this stuff. I mean, obviously, the, at the end of the day, everybody's curious about the latest and greatest and what's out there. It's just obviously getting budget and finding money to keep up with how fast this technology is moving. So the best thing we can do is, for these folks is just educate them and try to lure them to play with the technology, come to the show, get their eyes on it, see what they can do, and see if there's something that fits in what they actually have in terms of budget. All right. Mr. Tucker, same kind of question for you. Um, how do we, if we can't do this, like if, if it is not physically possible, if Chris is right and the technology is not there, how do we, how do we handle that? How, how do we uh, walk our clients through the minefield of I want I want the latest greatest stuff, but I only want to spend X amount of dollars. It, universal backbone. It has to come to a standard in which the universal backbone, like the old days of telephony, is what you build off of. Right now, we're doing a thousand different ways, a thousand different platforms, a thousand different transmission schemes or schema, if you like rather, um, that are really at this point inhibiting our ability as an industry, if not the technology to grow forward like that. If we have a universal backbone in which any device can hang off of and get this information and be a universal presentation, communication, and collaboration device, then you've solved that problem. Is it legitimately possible? I don't know. There are people like New York City Wi-Fi, the link people, 
There are people in the digital signage world who are trying to make that sort of universal format slash backbone transmission scheme work. It, you know, the example, of course, in, in a prosumer world is Apple, you know, with Android and others who are trying to, you know, Dante and, uh, and all the rest trying to create a one backbone to make this kind of thing possible. But we have to buy into it and we have to be willing to say that that will let us do that. But it also then inhibits innovation for a short while or at least in a, in a temporary fashion because you can't just suddenly introduce a new one. But we're at that stage where we don't need those old thick copper wires anymore. It should be at best cat six or it should be fiber. And we should be doing that because anything else will hang off of it for the current generation. So you can take a new wireless device or a new wireless scheme or a new wireless transmission platform and hang it off of those hardwired connections. They all need them. We're not going to get to a mesh network, at least in our lifetime as users, that that you know works legitimately. So you mean we like have a, to be a, able to a, go a, in that. Hang on, you, you we're not going to get to a mesh, mesh network citywide in our lifetime because there are people internally within mm -hmm. buildings that are doing mesh networks. Yes, but they're not always as reliable as they should be. The data throughputs are not really consistent at this current state. Yeah, people argue with me, but I don't think they are. Not for pushing data, voice, video. Not for pushing video and, blah, and voice. Blah, blah, yeah, you know. absolutely. Data, I, I may yeah. disagree with you, and, and I, I lean on, on our old uh, IT buddy, uh, um, Anthony Zotti, um, yeah. who he and I have had some conversations about this offline, about, yes, from a, a data standpoint, sure. But voice and, and, and video, sh no, no, no. Well, all those combined, because look, what yes. are we looking for? A one pipe is basically what we're looking for, right? And that one pipe, we try to do it with HDMI. HDMI specs says they can do data, video, this other stuff. They can do two-way transmissions and talk back and forth and CEC and et cetera. And it doesn't always work. Short hallways, it does. Short hallways, it does. Oh, yes. But on a global scale, a city scale, a metropolitan scale, that's not going to fly. So... Well, I, and it's I'll throw come from somewhere. I'll throw two more at you because the uh, control and again I'm I'm an old yeah. programmer. HD base T and uh, the Avenue Alliance both are are putting control down their pipes as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there are some other technologies that are that are doing audio and video over the network that are looking at at, at adding certain elements of control. You mentioned CEC. I'm not a big fan of CEC, but just no. general you know uh, old two thirty two commands. I say old 232 commands because if you look at the specs and you look at the documentation, what you're actually typing into the computer, whether it's down the 232 pipe or it's down an IP connection, it's still the same command. So, it, you know, it, Tim, it, I have a engineers question for you are getting then. lazy. Yeah. Now, George is going on about standards and how everything needs to be standard. So what do we say about uh, the manufacturers that are creating their own ecosystem with their own proprietary stuff in rooms? That technology can quickly become obsolete when it's proprietary. If it's proprietary, but here's the thing, if, if, if it's widely adopted, it's the, the half-life is not gonna be as short as you think it is. You look at, look at Dante, right? Um, so let, let's think of, of three, three, what you're talking about, proprietary systems. I'm gonna say Dante, uh, Valens, which is HD base T, and um, the Blue River chip, which is uh, Aptivision, right? Aptivision. Three proprietary systems you get those widely adopted, they're going to have some legs, right? Um, HD base T has been around, and I'm going to get this wrong, but I want to say it was 07, 08. Um, I'm going to check that while I'm talking, but, but 07, 08. So it's almost 10 years old at this point. They're, they've added things to it over the years. They've added power. Like I said, they're now looking at, at getting control down the line. Um, it's in... 
75, 80% of the video switchers in our market, that's pretty good adoption, right? That's pretty good adoption. Dante, um, the audio system, even folks who have Avenue certified products also have Dante products, right? Extron has Dante products. Biamp has Dante products. Harman has Dante products. Um, you've got, so you've got good adoption there. I think as long as you've got a good adoption and you continue to update the, the, the technology, I think you've got some legs. Um, now, to George's point on the standard, if you look at it like telephony, as he mentioned, no, those aren't necessarily as open standard as telephony. That's where you have the Avenue Alliance. They are open. Um, and the book has not been finished yet on, on the Avenue Alliance, I don't think. Uh, they're doing some interesting things. They've got some marketing issues because they've gone from AVB to TSN to some other stuff. Um, that's internal. That's something they got to figure out. But from a technology standpoint, I think they're they're still pretty good. So, but from from what Andrea was saying in her business, of digital signage, you look at a digital sign that was now forget the digital signage, but you look at a scoreboard. You go to an older stadium, and that that scoreboard has not been updated. Fans are not paying attention to that. That's part of the, the experience. From our friends over at AV Magazine, the top three environmental threats to digital signage. Oh, look, we have somebody on from Digital Signage Expo. Um, a gentleman from that by, by the name of Zoe Mutter talks about the three uh, threats. He calls them out. It says water and moisture, heat, accidental damage, and vandalism. George mentioned Link, New York City. Uh, we got to see a, a preview of that at, um, at New York Digital Signage Week last week uh, at the Barco event. Actually had a chance to walk by some. It was at 8th and 37th. Uh, I'm sorry, 8th and 38th. Very interesting uh, interface. Uh, you can make call. You can make video calls from it. Uh, you can have Google Maps on it. Um, it, it was. I, here's the thing. From a from a digital signage thing, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad experience. I'm just not sure of the use case um, entirely. Just personally. Um, but Andrea, question for you is. Is Zoe right? Are these the th the main three environmental issues when it comes to DS? I think so, for sure. I mean, one of the largest categories right now that you're seeing adoption of digital signage is outdoor menu boards. So I think that kind of goes right in line with what Jeff Hastings was talking about in that article. Um, and, and like the Link Project, I mean, I think the outdoor adoption is, is just growing and growing. I mean, it started inside and now it's it's, it's literally everywhere. So I, I tend to agree with this. So. All right, Mr. Tucker, uh, you've been a part of, of our, uh, our coverage of, of Digital Signage Week for the last couple of years. What other issues, what other threats are there? Or are these the three main ones? Uh, well, look, Digital Signage is about getting a message out, whether it's a menu board or an advertising. Hijacking that, I think, is still a huge issue. Security. Um, Right. I mean, th th yeah. that's the problem is that that message can get hijacked in various ways and not just so the IOT hacked, you know, into their computers as we started to talk about at the beginning of the show. But that message can be derailed by other things, uh, not just social memes, but how people approach it and how people surround that messaging. Uh, that's something that may be out of the control of the technology side of it, but there is a serious consideration there, say in New York City, a metropolitan area. You can't control what get advertised around it all the time. Hmm. Maybe okay. in the digital signage you can. The players are small. The, who, who provides what is is a smaller market. But there's a lot else going around it. You could really subvert. 
right. And Mr. Neto, you have the last word on this. Uh, also got to hang, hang out with him last week at, in New York. So what are what other issues do we have uh, that, that threaten the, the, the success, I guess, of a digital signage installation? Well, one of the main, main threats for digital signage is power. And why do you say, why would I say power? Uh, if you become dependent on the digital signage boards to be part of your, your uh, emergency management systems, you better have the, the backup power to do that. And the backup to that and redundancy is something that we absolutely need to take take into account. Um, I know throughout New Jersey, you have the big billboards and digital billboards that are on the highways that yep. are also ones which I do like, and I, this is one of the best case, use cases of technology out there is when they hit the amber alert, all those boards go absolutely flip from whatever they're advertising right to whoever is missing. I think that's a great point of view because here we are on the roads and they're giving you description. This kid is missing, it's in this car and there's a license plate. Why not? So if power comes into play, that is something that uh, that article does not come into. They better have redundant power, uh, especially when talking about emergency management systems. And if you want an expert on this sort of stuff, I think Scott Lord, I sat with him once and he completely went down a path of emergency management systems and digital signage and tying everything into the building that uh, I never thought of. So uh, yeah, I think power, uh, heat, they mentioned heat, um, keeping those signs cool and keeping them warm in the winter. Uh, LCD still freezes, so. Yeah. All right. Very good. That'll be the last word on this. Thank you all so much. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Andrea Marone from Digital Signage Expo. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. And don't forget to register for DSE at digitalsignageexpo.net. And, and registration is open now, and it is March 28th through the 31st? Yep. All right. Very good. Mr. Neto, thank you, sir. Thank you. And uh, how do people find you? You can find me at... Uh, at Chris underscore Neto on Twitter. You can find me at abhelpdesk.com. You can find me hanging out with these fine folks when they let me hang out with them at AB Nation. And uh, I have a question for Digital Signage uh, Expo. Is there a lot of training going to be involved there? Because I do like to hear Digital Signage training piece. There is a boatload of training <laughs> there for you in particular for the for the integrator type mm -hmm. full program on Tuesday. Uh, in addition to um, an expert program certification on Tuesday as well. Wednesday and Thursday, throughout both those days, there'll be several seminars specifically for you. And actually, if you just go to our website, digitalsignageexpo.net, and look under the Systems Integrator About tab, all the courses that are pertaining to you are listed right there. So to help you uh, ease your way through registration. Mm -hmm. But there's tons of stuff for you. Thank you. I love hearing about the user experience from the digital signage retail side. They seem to have their finger on the pulse a lot more than well and, and here's the other thing you know digital science expo is in it's in vegas uh so for those of you who are used to going to infocom um and vegas in june is different than vegas in march just want to put that out there so from a heat <laughs> standpoint uh last and not but certainly not least mr tucker thank you sir thank you great to be on again how do people find you uh, they can find me at Tucker Twos uh, on social. I'm here at Aviation, and I write for a number of trade or, uh, magazines. So just find me there. And I also want to point uh, folks to uh, Mr. Tucker has uh, has dusted off his notepad and has uh, has started an Aviation comic strip uh, oh, that I'm cool. a big fan of because he used tweaker and voice control in his first couple ones. So big, big fan of that. So check that out. 
Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me. Uh, and I don't know what I'm tweeting about at this point. Uh, but go by the website. Lots of really great people. Put an awful lot of hard work in it. I was not one of them, uh, so that's why it looks as good as it does. Um, Avianation.tv. Avianation.tv. You'll find this program, a host of others. Chris Netto is a uh, host of our MHO show. My humble opinion, 10, 15 minutes, uh, three AV experts and one topic. So check that out. Um, Mr. Tucker has a number of them as well that he helps produce and, and host from time to time. We've got a social one. We've got a, a uh, lighting one, education, control. We have two weeklies, this one, and then also one on residential uh, hosted by our good friend, Mr. Matt Scott. But all of that is at avnation.tv. Also, I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, our first annual Avnation Awards. Um don't send us any money for it. Just go to the website and tell us who you think is the best educator, who you think is the best product, uh, what product. Uh, I'm very proud of this of this topic or th this this category. What product saved your bacon? I like that one. So, what product on a consistent basis saves the day um, on on a consistent basis on job sites? So, yeah, that, that, all that stuff is at Aviation. TV, Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. This has been AV Week. <laughs>